Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode eight of Raking Coals. Thank you so much for listening. This is a podcast from the E43 Collective, and you are welcome to check out our website, e43collective.com. There you can find our blog, you can find our other podcast, the After Sunday Discussion, and we would appreciate it if you guys took a minute to check out e43collective.com. Today on Raking Coals, we are going to be discussing our personal Bible study habits and how becoming Bible teachers or teachers of the Bible has changed and impact impacted our faith. I am Cody Haggard. I am one of your hosts. And joining me, as always, is Josh Fauzi. How are you doing, Josh? I am doing well today, thankfully. I'm doing well myself, and we are going to tell you guys right now, we're going to be totally transparent and honest, this is our second podcast we are recording of the day, and we are pretty excited about it, Um, but uh, just wanted to share with you guys, we are actively working on catching up with our recording schedule, so we're recording a few podcasts in one evening here, and we just want to thank you guys for bearing with us. We've been battling sickness and cold weather and and changes in life, but we are catching up and we want to bring you guys some good stuff. Today we are going to be talking about personal Bible study habits and how becoming teachers of the Bible has changed our faith in what I would say is a good way. And so we're going to start off by talking about, uh, first, our personal Bible study habits. For, for um, For this discussion, these two things kind of go hand in hand for me. Um, but, but Josh, what is your general approach to when you sit down and you have the Bible in front of you, what do you do? So most of the time, I will go one book at a time. Um, and in, to me, context is key. So I will read like one, two, three chapters at a time, depending on how the, it flows. Um, but most of the time, the way I start every study is I try to read through the entire book all at once in one sitting, try to go at it. It actually isn't that hard and it doesn't take that long. Um, but try to try to read it without thinking about the verse numbers or the editorial notes or anything like that. Just read it, try to absorb it that way and then break it down. Um, and that's that's really what I do most of the time I'm. I do a lot more, I will, I will admit, I do a lot more New Testament than I do Old Testament. Um, just because when you get into the prophecy stuff, you kind of lose me sometimes. Um, but when I, go, when I break it down in the context in the chapters, or wh- however I'm going to break it down, I normally have one or two commentaries around, just in case. And they're not re- I don't, I try not to rely on them, but they're very much there just as like a reference point. Um, but that, that kind of goes along into like, that's a practice I've really picked up since teaching. Yes. Yes. And we'll talk a little bit more about commentaries uh, when we get into that side of teaching the Bible. And for me, I would say my approach to teaching the, uh, with reading the Bible is very similar to yours. I really do like to read the big picture and read it as a book or a letter that was written getting the big picture, trying to understand the overall theme, trying to pick up on the micro themes that are in there as well, and then going back, breaking it down, and analyzing it. For me, I am a very analytical person when it comes to reading the Bible. 
I love the details. I love picking it apart. I love looking at sentence syntax and grammar and structure and looking at the original language, the Greek. I, since since going through Bible college and, and seminary, I have become what you could call a Bible geek. And for me, I have found that I find my strongest time in the Bible. There are some people who most love the Bible when they read it, they reflect on it, and they just they just read it. And, and that's their favorite thing. Sometimes Bible study can be more of a burden and it can be stressful because it's like I, I, I'm trying to wrap my head around all these complex things where for me, I love that. I love the analytical side. I love opening up my Bible. I love opening up all the different resources I have. I love doing word studies. I love that that side of it. I really enjoy picking it apart and 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 Bible study and, and taking notes and writing things down and, and trying to get as much out of the Word of God as I possibly can. And that's what I like to do when I study the Bible. I really like picking it apart. I love the analysis. I, I know the Lectio Divina process is some that some other people like. But for me, in my quiet time with God... I'm having the most fun when I'm doing in-depth Bible study. Now, do you do that when you when you are are studying the Bible? Do you like to do like the in-depth Bible study, or do you more like to kind of grasp the themes, journal a little bit? You know, you you mentioned you have the commentaries there if you need them. You don't rely on them. Yeah, it's it's very much. I will go through. I will read, um, and I try to I try to keep in mind. Th- what is the purpose of the Bible? Okay, and, and, and that, that the Old Testament very much taught is the history of Israel, the history of the, the covenant that God made with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and very much points to the coming of Christ. Um, and, 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 and kind of keeping in mind, like, okay, everything that we're talking about reflects on this pivotal moment of Christ dying on the cross, raising from the dead. And how does that affect me? How does that affect what am I reading? When, and how does it relate to the gospel? How does it relate to that? How does it relate to what we know is coming later with the second coming of Christ and everything that goes on in Revelations and in Daniel and uh, Ezekiel? And it's just like I, I try to keep that in mind when I'm reading it. Um, but very much it's I'm reading something, and if, I, if I'm interested in the Greek— I have a commentary that explains the Greek really in depth. So like I, I will turn to that and read that. Um, if I don't, if I, if I'm a little confused, I'll turn to one of the two commentaries that I, I use the most and kind of see, see how the, the authors of those commentaries being the very smart and very much more learned individuals than I am. How do they approach it? How do they, with, with all their, their training and their background? And, and try, to, try to use those kind of as, not, not as a crutch, but more of a, if I need it, I know it's there. I, I've researched the people who wrote it. I know who, like, what their views are. Their their individual. I'm just gonna throw it. It's the Moody Bible commentary. Yeah, <laughs> the Moody commentary. Um, and then I use the Bible Knowledge commentary, which was made by the professors at Dallas Theological Seminary. Yeah. So, um, I use those primarily because I trust the sources. I trust the writers. Um, and and 
I don't journal as much as I probably should. Um, but I, I've, I also try not to rush. So if I have to reread a chapter three, four times, I will do that. Yeah, and that's a good approach. There's, there is, I think, enough life for most of us to be able to say, like, all right, I'm, I really need to spend a lot of time in this passage before I can walk away really understanding it, and that's okay. Um, and, and the reason I kind of got emphatic there when Josh mentioned the Moody Bible Commentary, I am a Moody Bible Institute alumni and current student at the seminary. A lot of those uh, professors who wrote that commentary or were active in that I had in class, and so it's really cool to have a condensed version of their teachings. Uh, but for those of you who don't know what a commentary is, it is a resource that is written by Bible scholars who have put the time in and the work in to give the background of whatever book you're studying. So the Moody Bible Commentary, for example, if you went to Amazon, you typed in Moody Bible Commentary, you would find it. It is one commentary that has a, a smaller commentary for each and every book within it. It is like a big dictionary with a ton of commentaries in it. So there's a commentary for each book of the Bible. And what it does is at the beginning of each book, so say, for example, you went and you opened up to Romans. Josh, last I knew you were studying Romans. And you opened up to Romans. There would be the first page. It would give you the background when Romans was written, who it was written by, some of the themes, some of the purposes, the occasion, and all that stuff would be lined out for you, which when you open up the Bible and you open up to Romans, some Bibles have that information in there, but typically it is not as much. And it will give you the background. And then there will be a nearly verse-by-verse breakdown helping the individual to understand exactly what the author meant when he wrote what he was writing in the passage of Scripture he was writing. So it's a way in order to help yourself understand the context, help yourself understand how the sentences were structured, what the author meant. Because sometimes reading the Bible, when you haven't spent as much time reading it or you're a little bit weak in picking up on syntax and sentence structure that commentaries can help bridge that gap now now they are a tool they are they are not the inspired word of god the bible is the inspired word of god but they are a tool to help us understand it more clearly so for those of you who who don't know about bible commentaries um, there's a lot of good ones out there, some some solid single-volume commentaries off the top of my head. I think the Moody Bible commentary is very good. The Bible Knowledge commentary, the John MacArthur commentary is very good. Um, uh, the Holman Bible commentary is also good. But there's also study Bibles out there. The ESV study Bible is a pretty solid one. The NIV study Bible is a pretty good one. The John MacArthur study Bible is a pretty good one as well. Charles Ryrie study Bible is a good one. There's a lot of good study Bibles out there that can help you kind of begin to get those more in-depth things out of your Bible study time. And as you grow and you grow to like those resources, you will find yourself looking into more resources if that's your cup of tea. Uh, but uh, enough enough talk on resources. Can, well, I could talk about I, resources all I day. Share one more resource that I use. Absolutely. And I only sh- I only bring it up because you introduced it to me and you gave me my copy. But that the one textbook that you used in your undergrad called Grasping God's Word. If you guys, it's not expensive. It is a great resource. Um, and and the thing that really and this kind of plays into the whole 
teaching aspect is there is a picture in that textbook that I constantly see when I study the Bible. It's the bridge. Yep. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's very much on one side of the bridge you have who, who the people, the audience that the, the, the writer was originally writing to, right? Mm-hmm. And then it goes into what it meant to those people at that time. Right, right. Okay, what, what were the lessons that they were supposed to get from it with their background? And then you have this river of time. Right, the, the, the <laughs> river, all the, all the contextual differences. Right, yeah. and then you take, the, you take the lessons and the principles and the ideas and you, you, you take it, this is what it meant for them. Okay, you bridge that to over, right. so, over, so over the river. So there's a bridge going over the river. Okay, how can I apply those principles and those lessons to me now? Yeah, and then it's a picture of like a modern-looking yeah. city. It's pretty right. cool. And I, it's just when, when you don't think of it that way a lot of times. I know before I started teaching at youth group and, te- and doing, stu- doing all the ministries that I've been a part of, I never thought of the Bible that way. I never cared about what did this mean to the farmer back in the day who didn't have electricity. And what what was the, what was like when you're talking about the town ta- uh, n- um, sowing, sowing and reaping? What does what does that mean? Because we think sow and reap, it's like right like you f- click your fingers <laughs> together, it happens right away. It's like no, these guys they sowed their seeds, then they worked their fields for a while. <laughs> And yep. it's it's it, like that's a quick example that I can give of that, but it's it's amazing because those principles are timeless, and a lot of times we take things out of context and try to shove them into our time period, and you kind of you when you go back and you do it, look at the word in in that way, sometimes that doesn't work. Like you can't do that. Yeah, and. And one thing that we do are uh, in going through formal Bible classes and studying the Bible class, I've been through a ton at this point. And I, I come from the position where it's like, man, this is this is something, this type of material, this type of stuff that you're that I've learned in undergrad and in seminary really should be learned by just about everybody who calls themselves a Christian and who wants to grow. But maybe I'm being a little too extreme in that, but there's just highly valuable stuff. But what I will definitely say is one of the biggest dangers we always talk about in these classes is the Bible study where it's like, okay, everybody, what does this mean to you? And that's where you start to enter into that dicey territory, right? Where it's like the Bible then becomes this openly... Uh, openly interpreted work where there's all these different philosophies and train of thoughts that come out of it and it's like oh well hold on we're we have we're walking that that fine line of turning the bible into like a living document versus a document that was written that meant something that has eternal principles and 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 ongoing applications but the meaning, that original meaning, that is intact. That stays the same. And I think that's something when I study the Bible, I'm striving to understand what did it mean to the audience that 
it was written to. And that's important. That's really important to understand when you're studying the Bible because it helps us make the right applications in life. And when we find those principles, and maybe maybe Josh and I, uh, this is kind of coming out of nowhere. Maybe we'll post a video or something on the website where we kind of give some visuals and some help. If anybody is interested in that, maybe we can get something out there uh, as a visual to help anybody who's interested in learning more about proper Bible study methods. And uh, with, with kind of talking about Bible study methods, I began to care more a lot, uh, care a lot more about this and get a lot better at this when I had to become a teacher of the Bible. And I think Josh would say the same. And before we totally transition into that, there are, there are a couple of different verses that come to mind when I think of the importance of studying the Bible. First comes out of Joshua 1 where God tells Joshua, referring to the Old Testament law, meditate on this book of the law day and night and do not let it depart from your mouth, saying, know this. At that point, Joshua would have only had what was written from Genesis to Deuteronomy, but that was God's word. That was the inspired word of God, and God tells Joshua, know this. This is what you need to lead my people. And that really has not changed when we're talking about the Bible. Christians know the Bible. This is the word of God for you. And then I think of uh, 2 Timothy 3.16, right? Um, all scripture is, is God-breathed and it's profitable for rebuke, teaching, and training in righteousness, where you get the idea that scripture, the Bible, the inspired word of God, is useful. It is from God, and we need it for so many things in our life. Uh, kind of my um, abridged sermon that I normally preach on that. But but uh, it's, it's really important. Those are two verses that really point out like, hey, the Bible is super important. You should know it. Spend time with it. It talks about the living person of God. And, and that's why it's important to study. But I know for me, I began to take studying the Bible way more serious after the first time I was challenged to have to teach it. Josh, do you remember the first time you had to teach the Bible? Oh, yes. It was because I'm, I'm drawing a blank on the verse right now. But it says that you, God will judge you for you who, te- like, this is me completely butchering it. It's just, but, like, God is going to harshly judge you if you taught the Bible wrong. <laughs> and uh, And I remember it was... I was what a senior in high school, and I was teaching the junior hires at at church, and I just got super nervous because number one, I didn't want to embarrass myself because <laughs> I I was terrified of speaking in public, like absolutely petrified. Um, but at the same time, it's like I really don't want to screw this up because that would be bad. <laughs> and um and I just remember our pastor was he was just so good about just he sat with me and we kind of went over he let me borrow commentaries and any resource I needed from him and just went through the lesson before I taught it and then I went and I taught it and I just remember like I was so nervous I had a student come up to me afterwards and she just went 42 I was like 42 42 what like Hitchhiker's Guide to Galaxy 42? Like, what are you talking about? She goes, you said okay. The word okay. 
42 times because that's my nervous tick. <laughs> and that started a trend where, like, I want to say for two years, they counted every single time I would say okay during a lesson. Like, we, there was always one person who was, like, marking on a piece of paper how many times I would say it. It was terrible. That is brutal. That's brutal. I remember the first time I had to teach, it was a um, similar scenario about a year before you had to. Uh, same church, Pathway Church. Uh, I was teaching junior high youth group. I was a senior in high school, and I had volunteered for youth group, and the opportunity came for me to, to teach the group. And I remember this was my approach because I hadn't really practiced much. I <laughs> I had made a lesson on faith because I was going to talk about faith because I had learned a lot about faith, right? Because I went to I went to a Christian high school and I was somewhat familiar with like exegesis and some of these fancier Bible study practices. But I was like, oh, I'm going to make a lesson on faith. And so the first thing I did is I was like, okay, I'm going to talk about faith. And then this is before I learned about exegetical or expository preaching. I will say that. Um, and I was like, oh, I'm going to make a lesson about faith. And so then I, first thing I did, flipped to the back of the Bible, the concordance, looked up faith, wrote down every verse on faith, man. And I was like, okay, which, which of these verses can I make a cool lesson with? <laughs> and that was the approach. And what I remember of that lesson is that I just felt totally unprepared and, and just really nervous. And... The, the thing about it was, was that I, I knew that I was just playing a guessing game the first time I taught because I had never been I had never been taught how to teach. And so you know since I went to college for that and gone through seminary for that, I've been taught a whole lot more on how to teach and there's a lot of stuff to learn about teaching. But one thing I could say is as I learned more about teaching, as I actually put some time into researching teaching methods and researching uh, teaching preparation, I found that it strengthened how I studied the Bible. And it, ch it changed how I even looked at the world. It changed how I looked at my life because the most effective way to drive home points is to use true in realistic illustrations that your audience can relate to. And we can talk about that a little bit more later. But I remember being so nervous. And what I will say is if you're listening to this podcast and you've never taught anything before in your whole entire life ever, teaching is a spiritual gift. However, you will never know if you have the spiritual gift of teaching until you at least try a couple times because after the first time you won't know if you have the gift of teaching because there's a good chance you probably won't do that good of a job and secondly if someone asks you to teach respond to that person okay teach me how to teach and make sure that that person teaches you how to teach that's a question that I know if I would have asked Someone would have taught me how to teach. I just didn't ask. I was like, okay, I'll figure it out. And it made for a underwhelming lesson that was clearly produced by a 17-year-old child. So, <laughs> Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have a follow-up question. Do you remember what, what lesson did you teach where you were the most 
nervous? The most nervous? Um, it actually wasn't a lesson. It or was it was the first sermon I ever had to preach in church because so first to make sure that it was at least decently well prepared it was a modification over a lesson I had to teach the previous semester this was after my freshman year of college uh, in the spring semester I took a class on creative Bible teaching I learned a certain method of teaching which was not preaching it wasn't preaching so I had to then take that lesson and then turn it into a sermon but at that point I had never taken a formal class on preaching a sermon so it was kind of it was kind of a crapshoot of like okay I'll look up some things online about sermon preparation and we'll turn this lesson into a sermon and yeah I remember at the time being so nervous because this was my first go at it and I was going to, to college to be a preacher and uh, I was really nervous and I think at that point I walked away from it thinking that was okay but I'm sure if I listened back to that now it would be from my perspective not very good <laughs> but I was you, really nervous what did you preach on oh oh my one of my favorite passages I actually referenced this in a blog a couple weeks ago uh, Philippians 3 12 to 14. Okay. Um, keeping your eye on the prize. It's it's actually a, a verse that I have clung to for a long time in my life. But I figure if I'm going to be preaching my first sermon, it better be on a just a passage of Scripture that I, I really know. <laughs> so. Oh, that's great. That's great. <laughs> so, Josh, what, what about you? What was the most nervous you've ever been? Was it the first time you had to teach? No. And this was a, it was, it was not, it was, I had to preach at my parents' church, which I, I know we mentioned this in passing before, but I am a first generation American. Both of my parents are from Egypt. The, the church they go to is just Arabic. They don't preach in English. And, uh, <laughs> and it's also, it, it's the church that I grew up like my entire childhood going to, even even through my teen years going to Pathway and the youth group there, I still went to the Arabic church. And um, and I, I had to go and it was like, you think of like all the titans of the faith that you grew up with, like the people that you really respect, like that those were the people who were going to be there. And not only that, I had, I had to preach with a translator. So, like, I preached in English, and then I had an Arabic translator because my Arabic's not good enough to preach. And it was the Mother's Day sermon. Okay. <laughs> my mom was sitting front row staring at me the entire time. <laughs> and I, I, I remember I preached on um, just Timothy and how he had two very strong women who really helped fortify him and and give him a strong foundation in the faith and how influential they were to him and how um, how you, you as as individuals we have to be like them and really feed into the next generation um, and and you made sure to say that your mom was just like that oh right? yeah totally <laughs> and I just I remember well not only not only was my mother there, my aunt, who is my mother's oldest sister, who was essentially my second mother, 
because she lived with us for a while, and I love I love her to death. Uh, and my grandmother was there. <laughs> and talk about pressure, because they're like, it's like if I screw this up, not only am I never going to be allowed to come back here, but they're going to be talking about this for a very long time. <laughs> but it it went well, in my opinion. Granted, there is no recording, so I will never know. Um, but yeah, no, I was petrified. And, and that was after years of teaching youth group, after leading men's ministry, after preaching a couple times before that at, uh, at that church, actually. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, <laughs> you, you took the pressure and you just, you, it went from like a two to like a 10. <laughs> and preaching is, is a different animal. Teaching a class is, is a little bit different. It can still be very intimidating. But getting up and preaching and being the person who's going to be talking for the next half an hour to 45 minutes or longer, I guess, whatever your style is, is is a huge intimidating thing. And it's different. Uh, I'm not saying that it's better or worse than a Bible class, but it's just way more intimidating to stand up and be like, all right. Here, here we go, and, and you've prepared, and you've spent the time doing doing it, and I know for me as a preacher, I write out all my sermons, I rehearse them, I internalize them, and then I preach without any notes. So I go up there, it's me, the Bible, and everyone who's listening, and obviously the Holy Spirit, and so even even though I've done this many, many, many times, whenever I preach, I get up there, and I'm like, all right, well... God, I'm trusting you that I that I remember this. <laughs> so it's it's normally gone off pretty well. Okay. But uh, but yeah, it is like like I can understand you being nervous because preaching is just different. You get up there and it's like everyone's looking at you, and blank stares on their faces. There is no audience participation. As, like <laughs> when you lead a small group or you're teaching to like a a group that's intended to be interactive. You, you play off of the group. You play off of the questions. You play off of the... Because like when, when we teach youth, it's we're, we're trying to teach inductive Bible study. So it's, what did you observe? Okay, let's take those observations. Wh- what are the interpretations? Now now that we have the interpretations, what can we apply to our lives? And, um, and you can do that in a teaching realm, but when you're preaching... It's just you coming up with, like, (laughs) here's the passage. Here's the important things that we have to observe. Here's the interpretation of it. Here's your application. Go and do. like, (laughs) And and you have to make sure that you have the context correct. You have the meaning correct. You have the interpretation correct. You, 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 this, I like to explain how it relates to other parts of scripture. Because there's there's background with that. Like here, I, don't know, I can't come up with an example off the top of my head, but like the, the writer could be talking about something and he's referring to something or it's connected to something that's in the like from the New Testament all the way in the Old Testament. It's like, this is what it meant to these people. Like this passage of scripture that we're reading here, they would have heard that and thunk, oh, and they would go back to the Old Testament passage that they probably had memorized. And they're like, that's what he's talking about. And, um, and before I ever started teaching, I didn't care about that. I just, it was very much, if I read the Bible once throughout the year, I was golden and I did what I needed to do. And 
the, I didn't use the cross-references in the middle column of my Bible. I didn't look at the study Bible part of it. It was like, I just read the passage. Okay, that's what the Bible says. Kind of thought about it for a little bit and went on my merry way. And now it's very much, oh, well, there's a cross-reference here. I'm going to go to that cross-reference, see what that means. Like, how does that cross-reference to this? How does what he says here in chapter 5 relate to what he says in chapter 2? Like, or, or here he references something. What is, what is that? Okay. Uh, oh, okay. Good. And that's where the commentaries come in handy. That's where the, the, the tools that are built into Bibles come in handy. Mm-hmm. And, you're, and you're just constantly going back and forth, and you're trying to, you're trying to piece together the bigger picture so that you can understand the intricacies. Yeah, and and kind of going along with that is, I mentioned earlier, being someone who's taught the Bible now many times, it, and this is why I encourage anyone who's been asked to, to teach the Bible, I would encourage you to try and go through the preparation. Even if you've never been asked, maybe find an opportunity to try just to be able to identify with a different side of studying the Bible because there is a lot that goes into it. There is the studying of the passage and then the context of the passage and then the historical context of the book and the grammatical structure because when you are teaching, you are showing up, whether it's a discussion-based class or a sermon, you're showing up and you should be somewhat of an expert on the passage. And... When you begin reading the Bible that way, when you begin really trying to grasp what God is saying because you're responsible for having to share it with other people, you then have this perspective where like, okay, I might not have been the best teacher, but I really enjoyed getting to know that passage. I really enjoyed the satisfaction of really understanding a biblical passage for the first time. And I I would say that if you step up to the challenge of teaching, you will find the joy in mastering Scripture. And and none of us will will master it. I'm using that as as a descriptive word of of strongly grasping it. Uh, None of us will truly master Scripture because that's God's realm, not ours as humans. But... It's an enjoyable thing, and it makes me look at the Bible different. It makes me look at my life different because, for me, something I really enjoy uh, from teaching and preaching, something that is very important is a strong introduction and a strong conclusion. And what's, what's good to use within introductions and conclusions in your teaching and your preaching is illustrations that make sense and that build up your passage. They build up the big idea of whatever you're teaching. And what that be, be, has begun to make me do is look at the world in a totally different place. Because now, as someone who teaches the Bible, I look at my life as something where each and every day God is teaching me something about himself. I never know when I'm going to be able to use that as a sermon illustration. And I don't look at my life as an ongoing sermon illustration. That's not how I look at it. I look at it as every single day God's teaching me something about him. God's teaching me something about myself. God's teaching me something about my family. And it's, it's so weird 
when I go to sit and prepare a sermon or a message, I always do my research first. And then as I'm doing my research, story clicks. Something that happened. It could be years ago. It could be weeks ago. It could be whatever. And God says, hey, you remember when that happened? It relates to this. And, and when they're realistic, when it happened in your life as a teacher, as a preacher, if it really happened in your life, those are the stories that are most impactful. Because people can tell when a story is true. And people can tell when an illustration is real. And those are the ones that you can drive home and you can drive home strong. And also, it gives you the joy of being like, wow, I, I just really see God working every day. And, and that's one thing I've really loved uh, that's happened in my life since becoming a teacher of the Bible. Now, here's a question I have for you, and this might be a little on the joking side, but you might not think of your life as a walking Bible illustration. Now, will your kids think their lives are Bible illustrations? No, they won't. They won't. Um, If I'm going to... (laughs) If I'm going to use a family-related Bible illustration, I'll at least (laughs) ask them first. (laughs) Right now, they're toddlers, so they don't get much say in it. But for the most part, I I don't say anything outside of what just generally sounds like how toddlers behave anyway. Because, like, my dad preaches a lot in in, uh, Arabic churches, and I will go and I will listen whenever he's in town, and I'm not doing youth group or something else. Uh, and he, I realize he uses us all the time, and we have no. I'm like, do does everybody at church just have this automatic like? That's Samir's. Oh, he's exactly like this. <laughs> it, but I mean, it's so true though that when you're reading through the Word and you're trying to study it and you're trying to try. Trying to really understand it, and you're thinking about it and really th- chewing it up, like you said, th- just memories just start clicking with you, and you're like, "Oh, that's why," or "That's how it relates to me." And or, I remember a situation like this, and it's like, "Okay, well, if I read this before that, I would have avoided all the consequences." Like. <laughs> I, and it's 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 important, and this is kind of changing gears a little bit, but it's really important that you you the scripture should tell you what it's talking about, and you should never build your your teaching based on what you what the point you want to get across, and then cherry pick the scripture to fit that and and i know that's the reason why most of the time when when like we plan out lessons for youth or or, and this is kind of going into the planning stage but i don't when i was leading youth group i never did topical studies for the most part like there were one or two here and there but that was very much it's the it was a contextual look at a passage of scripture and then using that passage of scripture to say, like, okay, this is what this scripture is talking about. This is the topic that we're talking about. But, um, like, because it's so easy to cherry pick and to take things out of context and to say, because there's those buzzword verses that you always hear that have become kind of cliche in the church, that if you really read the context, you're like, oh, that's not what I meant at all. <laughs> and, and it's... And you start realizing that when you're planning out lessons, when you're planning out um, just 
just like let's say a month's worth of Bible study. And that's why I think I value contextual studies so much more than topical. I don't know. Do you agree, Cody? Yeah, I'm very much uh, I'm an expository preaching kind of guy. So for my preaching, at the very least, I, I typically stay away from topical unless I, I can really do it justice. Because topical, done well, can be done really well. But it's very, very, very hard to do a solid topical study without any holes. Uh, because when you do a topical study, you, you open yourself up to a lot of the contextualization holes and maybe reading into something more than you should. And, and the hard part about it is it's also hard to get around when you're even preparing. Like, okay, this is the topic that I chose. Is this, is this me speaking or is this God speaking? Uh, whereas when you choose a passage and you teach what the passage says, you at least can say, like, the passage itself is what God has said. I have structured a bunch of words based on my research that should help people to understand what God said. And if I screw up anywhere in there, I know that God can forgive me, but at least I pointed to what God really said. And so, yeah, I'm more of a pick the passage, stick to the passage. And if you want to teach on a certain topic like love or faith or hope or joy, you can pick a passage that talks about it and just talk about the passage. Um, and I'm not knocking topical preaching. I think it can be effective, I think, in a lot of areas, especially like if you're talking about teaching-wise. If you're talking about teaching-wise, it's, it's you can't have like a systematic theology class that's not topical because, I mean, that's what theology typically is, topical. But those guys are really, 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 really doing their homework. So, and that's kind of a heavy discussion for this podcast. But uh, just final thought uh, from me here, uh, and this will be the last thing I say, and then Josh, I'll kind of let you say say whatever you got to say here at the end. Is uh, just lastly, again, I'll say I've said it three times on this podcast already. Try and find an opportunity to teach the Bible, because even if you're a parent with children, you're going to want to teach your kids the Bible. And it doesn't have to be a big audience or a big group, but maybe it's a small group of people. Maybe you've got a few friends who you like to study the Bible with and be like, hey, guys, I'd like to just lead a Bible study. Here's some things I'm learning recently. Would you mind if, you know, I kind of led a discussion on this? And give it a try. Do the research. Do the homework. Uh, if you have any questions on Bible preparation, fill out the contact form on the website, e43collective.com, and we'd love to help you. Um, so those are kind of my final thoughts. Josh, you got any final thoughts as we close this one out? When it comes to teaching the word um like cody said if you get an opportunity to do it it will completely change how you view your pastors and your bible study leaders because when you when you do it and you and you do it the right way in, in a way that you're trying to really understand what you're going to be teaching it takes a lot of work it takes a lot of time, and I, I, I give props to anybody who's leading a group or, or leading a church or preaching, teaching regularly because it, it's a, it's a process, and it I have from doing it for so long, it's very hard for me to knock somebody who does it because I have so much respect because. 
if their intentions and their motivations are right, you know they're putting in the work. And that's all I really have to say about it. I mean, teaching is one of the, in my mind, one of one of the greatest things that I've been doing, at least ministry-wise. That's where I find a lot of enjoyment and a lot of fulfillment. But at the same time, it is terrifying. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter how long you've been doing it. It can, it can, it, you, you get worried every time you go up to, to speak and say, just, you pray, God, just let me say the right things. <laughs> Amen. And thank you, everyone, for listening to this episode, episode eight of Raking Coals. And again, just want to remind you all, as always, please head over to the website, e43collective.com. Check out our other podcasts, the After Sunday Discussion. Read the blog, share with your family, share with your friends. And I hope that you guys have a fantastic week and a blessed day.